James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, the word of the Lord reads as follows. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Hallelujah. And I want to concentrate our attention on verse 11, right in the middle of the verse. You have heard of the patience of Job. And that's my message to you this morning, the Lord's message. You have heard the patience of Job. Praise God. Could we lift up our hands unto the Lord and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Lord, I pray today that you would bless your word. Bless each and every individual that has gathered into this place. I pray that you would move upon us. And I ask that your word would ring true in our hearts. Let it be brought forth with accuracy, with boldness, with love. Lord, let it be the truth that makes us free. I pray, God, that you'll give me a clear mind and crisp voice to speak your word as you see fit to do so. And we know that your word shall not return unto you void. We thank you for it and give you all praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. You have heard of the patience of Job. Now I want to say we're reading from the book of James and the book of James is one of my favorite uh, books in the Bible. Uh, seem like I have, seem like they're all my favorite books in the Bible, but, but I, I really, I really do like uh, the book of James and, and this verse is just one example of many examples of how James helps us to understand so much about God and living for God. And there are many statements that are made in our lexicon, if you please. A lot of our biblical, scriptural, spiritual vocabulary actually is derived from the book of James. And uh, there are many things you might say and have heard said through the years across the pulpit and in scripture speak that you may not have realized that actually, it actually comes from the book of James. And so this is just a beautiful book, but I'll give you some examples. One statement that we, you may have said or heard said, and, and it blesses you, is the, the, the statement, count it all joy. Count it all joy. And, and he explains that we should count it all joy uh, when we fall into diverse temptations. And this was quite a thing to say because we don't tend to do that. When, when we think about what we're facing in life, we don't really consider some of those things to be joyful or joyous. But James instructs us to count it all joy even when we fall into difficult circumstances. One thing he said was submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. One of the things he said that was so beautiful, he said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. How many remember him saying, he giveth grace to the humble? Yeah. 
but he resisteth the proud. All of this is from, from James. It was James who let us know the devils believe in one God and they tremble. He talked about being hearers of the word, but not hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. It was James who said, you have not because you ask not. He also coined the term asking amiss. That sometimes you ask, but you have asked amiss. He talked about no man being able to tame the tongue, that it is an unruly evil. Here's one you probably have heard before. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. All of this, and I could go on, but all of this from the book of James, and we're just talking about five chapters just five chapters and they are replete and full of wisdom and spiritual truth and divine principle that helps us to know God and to draw close to God. And of course, the statement that we have chosen as a text today, you've heard of the patience of Job. This, this concept of patience is actually how James opens his book. Before he launches into much of anything, he, he tells the recipients of his letter, the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad, he said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, this is how you count it all joy, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. He's telling us that the trying of our faith works patience. And that that alone is worth counting the things we go through as joy and as joyful because of the fact that it is working patience. Now, I had a school teacher, went to a Christian school, and I had a school teacher who would say to us when we would begin to become a little impatient, my sister was there as well, Sister Unger would tell us, patience is a virtue and virtue is a grace. Put them all together and you'll have a smiling face. Amen. And it stuck with us. And we didn't like it in the moment because we were being impatient. But as we have lived a little, we have learned the great wisdom of this truth that patience does indeed bring about a contentment and it allows things to unfold as they should unfold instead of us getting our... Uh, I'll say our grubby little hands all over everything and messing it up. We've messed up a lot of things by not being patient. But James said that if you will let patience, if you know this, that the, that the, the, the circumstances you face, the trying of your faith is working patience. And if you'll let patience have her perfect work, you will be perfect and entire wanting nothing. This is really a powerful, powerful statement right out of the gate in James's letter, explaining that many times you don't know the value of patience because you have not allowed patience to have her perfect work. When you allow patience to do what patience does, there is a perfecting that happens, and only patience can bring about that perfecting quality. So let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. And so throughout the book of James, this is the premise 
upon which James is encouraging the people of God that there is a work of patience that God is developing in you that if you will let it unfold and if you will let it run its course, then you will have a completed project and it will be beautiful and you will find yourself in the position of wanting nothing. That's the same principle that David was expressing in Psalm 23, the famous Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I will not be in want. I, I will not feel the pangs of, of not having what I need, but all that I need, the Lord shall supply. Hallelujah. I want somebody to know today that when you live for the Lord, there's no life like it. It's the only life. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And James is he's laying out the premise and the foundation of his book by telling us that, that we are to count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations and that, that patience is having a work in us. And, and if we will let patience have her perfect work, it will produce a completion and a contentment and a lack of want and a fullness of joy. And so we are to let that happen. And so all of these all of these verses and truths that I shared at the outset are to help us in that process of letting patience have her perfect work. I'm looking at another one while I'm, while I'm preaching. Is, you've heard this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The context of that is don't let anything distract your thinking. Don't let anything split your thought process, but, but don't be double-minded, but be singularly focused and let patience have her perfect work. And to really help us to understand the value of patience, he sends us to the Old Testament. Of course, he's speaking to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. So he's letting them know, go back to those holy scriptures and look at the example of the prophets. He said in James 5 and 10, where we have read today, to take the prophets as your example, who have spoken in the name of the Lord. This means that they were speaking with his authority. They were declaring his word with his authority and in his name. And we know from Peter that they were moved by the Holy Ghost as they spake the word of God. And he said, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering and of affliction of patience. They are your example of suffering affliction and of patience. Again, telling them that if you want to look to somebody who knows and understands patience, look to the holy prophets. And you can look at any of them and you can see patience and suffering affliction. If you look at David while he is running for his life from Saul, anointed no less, his head had been anointed with the oil of God to be king, and yet he's a fugitive. He had to be patient while all of this was coming into, into total completion and perfection. You could look to Jeremiah, who was anointed of God to declare the word of the Lord to the, to the people of God, and yet he finds himself let down in a pit to die, and he had to be patient, that weeping prophet, only to be let up at the appointed time and delivered from that awful pit. 
so many examples. Moses in the wilderness with people who complained and murmured incessantly. So many examples of people in the Bible. Abraham who waited patiently on the promise of God. And yet, and yet these people not only lived their lives, but they lived their lives as an example to us of how to suffer affliction and how to be patient. But to really give a sense of what he was trying to convey, he said, I'm gonna take you to the granddaddy of all patient prophets. I'm gonna take you to this man, Job. He said, you have heard of the patience of Job, which in itself is a very interesting statement to make because Job is, the scholars believe, the oldest book in the Bible. It even predates Genesis. As Genesis was written by Moses, Job, the, the history of Job and his chronological order was the oldest book. And, and so to, to think that in 2023, you have heard of the patience of Job is quite a phenomenon. This ancient man whose story has survived the many years and decades and centuries and, and, and today we stand in this place and we're still talking about the patience of this man, Job. As James scoured the scriptures and considered all the men and all the women and all the prophets who could best typify and express the principles of patience and how to suffer affliction for long periods of time. He settled right in the middle of your holy scriptural canon and said, this guy, this guy is the example of suffering affliction. This guy is the example of patience. And I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there probably isn't anybody better to refer to than the man Job. But I gotta be honest with you, it's not an easy story to preach. It's not an easy story to preach because it seems so rough. And it really seems to be unfair, if you please. It's, it's this story that begins describing this man and how well off he was and how really how, how perfect he was in his ways. It talks about him eschewing evil, a man who was upright, a man who sought God every day on behalf of his children, and, and he would sacrifice for them to say that if some mischief befall them and if they find themselves in a, uh, a quandary that, that I can't be there to prevent, Lord, I, I want you to go before me and go before them and watch over them. And, and Job, the Bible, refers to him as being a perfect man and upright and one that eschewed evil. And then we, of course, see the unfolding of the conversation that happens in the heavens. And the scripture says that there was a day when the sons of God appeared before the Lord and Satan was among them. And the Lord said to Satan, basically, what are you doing here? What are you up to? Satan said, I'm going to and fro through the earth. 
and, and I'm looking, I'm looking to cause some trouble. And God had this idea, and it's, it's really hard to preach about because God is love, and God is just, and God is holy, and all of that is true about God, and yet God looks at Satan and says, have you considered my servant Job? Brother Tyreek, he was under consideration by God. God floats this idea, and the devil basically says, you don't think I've considered Job? I know all about Job, but there is a hedge about Job, and there's, a, there's no way to get to Job. I'm going to tell, tell you, some of you got a hedge about you. you. Listen, you should never be without a praise for God. Never should you be without a praise for God. If for nothing else, you ought to praise God for keeping you from what the devil had in mind. Can I tell you that if the devil had his way, you'd already be dead and in hell. It is by the mercy of God that we are not consumed. And before you start thinking you don't have anything to praise him for, you ought to praise him for the stuff you don't even know that God protected you from and kept you from. You don't even know. We ought to make a special place in our praise for God. Thank you for keeping me from the things I don't even realize you kept me from. The devil said, of course I've been looking at Job. He's got this hedge about him. And the Lord said, said he's a perfect man, one that eschews evil. The devil said, I'll show you how perfect he is. He said, you let down that hedge and he won't be so perfect. He said, you let me at him. And the Lord removed a hedge and then another hedge later on that allowed the devil access to what was around Job and to, Job, to his family, to, the, to his homes, to his wealth, and even to his body, but he could not take his life. And thus the story of Job unfolds, and it is a complicated story because it, we just can't understand why a good man would have to go through some of the things that Job went through. And the Bible, this, folks, this isn't society saying that he was a good man. This is God saying he was a good man. This isn't, this isn't the folks Job had fooled saying he was a good man. This is God saying this is a good man. And God knew he was so good and had such confidence in him that he said, you can bring whatever you want against him, but you can't take his life. And he will not charge me foolishly, and he will not sin with his lips. And so, so the, 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 the wild and, and challenging story of Job ensues and, and his children are taken away and his homes are taken away and, and all of his livestock and all of his wealth is removed and his own health begins to suffer and he goes through the most challenging health crisis. The description that Job gives of his health, it is painful. It is, it is terrible, it is terrifying. And then of course, as the story unfolds, it comes to the conclusion where Job has an encounter with God and in this encounter with God, God begins to say to him, you have, you have darkened counsel without knowledge. And he begins to say, go ahead and stand up and answer me. If you be such a man who knows so much, you go ahead and, and answer me and instruct the Almighty. 
and, and, and Job begins to humble himself and repent before the Lord and say, God, forgive me and let me be right in your sight and I will not answer you again because I am just a man and you are the almighty God. And, and then something amazing happens. The Bible says that he prayed for his friends and when he prayed for his friends, the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Now, these aren't just any friends that he's praying for. And he's, it doesn't mean everybody on his Facebook list. It's not talking about everybody that's in his cell phone. There are specific friends he's praying for. He's praying for what we would call Job's comforters. And if somebody calls you a Job's comforter, I, I don't know if you're familiar or how familiar you are with the story of Job, but they're not giving you a compliment if they call you a Job's comforter. In fact, they're not even calling you a comforter. They're calling you a comforter in word only. But Job's comforters were not comforting at all. They, they came to him with a finger of accusation, a finger of condemnation, saying, if you had to do something to bring this on, what have you done? You're, 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 you, must, you must have done something horrible to bring this upon yourself. And Job finds himself defending his own righteousness to his comforters. But in the very last chapter of the book of Job, the Bible says that, the, that Job prayed for his friends friends and when he prayed for his friends the Lord turned the captivity of Job and he blessed him to a greater degree than what he lost he gave him all that he had lost twice back everything was replaced twofold and the end of Job was greater than the beginning of Job he restored children unto Job and the end of Job was greater than the beginning and the beginning was pretty amazing but the end of Job's life was beyond description of how blessed and how full of joy Job's life was. And thus he becomes the symbol of suffering affliction and being patient to the point that James would say, when it comes to patience, look to Job. You have heard of the patience of Job. Now, that's a complicated story. And we're all grateful that his life ended up grand and great and wonderful. But in the back of our mind is nagging this question, why did he have to go through it at all? Why did he have to suffer the way that he suffered? And why do we suffer sometimes the way we suffer? Why do we go through some of the challenges of life that we go through? And, and, and some things, ladies and gentlemen, we bring on ourselves. And the stuff we bring on ourselves, we must repent before God and get right with God. And Peter warned us, he said, don't, don't call the stuff that you are responsible for, uh, don't call that a fiery trial because that's stuff you got yourself into. But, but the fiery trial is when you're just minding your own business and doing what you do and then this calamity shows up and you don't know, you can't pinpoint a reason this is here. Regardless of what you're going through, I will tell you, it's always good as a rule of thumb to repent immediately and say, Lord, what if there's anything in me that needs to be fixed, if you're trying to get my attention, if there's something I need to walk away from, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Cleanse me from stuff I don't even know is going on and, and let me walk in the ways of righteousness. But good people can go through some really bad stuff. 
And Job is an example of somebody who went through some really bad stuff. But to understand Job or to understand anything in the Old Testament, you have to understand a verse of Scripture spoken by Jesus in John chapter 5 and verse 39. And it simply says this, search the Scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Search the scriptures. Now he's talking to the Jews when he says this. People who know the scriptures. People who can quote the scriptures. People who can quote the genealogies of of the scriptures. They can quote the genealogies of the chronicles. They can quote the Levitical law. They can recite to you the Torah. And Jesus has the audacity to say to them, search the scriptures. Go get a magnifying glass and open up those ancient scrolls and search those scriptures because you might be able to memorize them, but you have missed the point. You might be able to quote them, but you do not understand them because they are not testifying of you. They are testifying of me. And anything you read in the Old Testament, you have to read through the prism and understanding that this is talking about Jesus who is to come. It is testifying of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Jesus is the only begotten Son of God who is the everlasting Father manifest in human flesh. That's who Jesus is. And why did he come in flesh? Because we could not overcome sin and death. Only Jesus could overcome sin and death. He overcame what we could not overcome. He overcame what we could not overcome. He conquered what we could not conquer. And then he gave us the victory. And I want you to know today he'll give you the victory. And there were some who were select few who would testify of Jesus. And these people that the Holy Scriptures revolve around are those who testified of Jesus. And when you look at the calamity of Job, you are looking at the testimony of Jesus. When you look at an innocent man being riddled with persecution, you're looking at Jesus upon the cross of Calvary. When you look at a man who was perfect in all his ways, one that eschewed evil, one that was upright, that's a description of Jesus. Job was not even perfect like Jesus was perfect. Job was perfect in the sense that he was morally pious. He had covered the bases. He was about as perfect as a man could become. But Jesus was perfect in every single way. Jesus was perfect not just in his moral piety and in his consecrations but he was perfect in that he was flawless he was blameless he was innocent and Job's life was going to be a reflection of the life of him that was to come 
This is why the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Job was a man and Jesus would be a man. Job was a man that eschewed evil. Jesus eschewed evil. Job was upright. Jesus was upright. Job was perfect. Jesus was truly perfect, ladies and gentlemen. And when Job went through what he went through, I want you to know we see a picture and we catch a glimpse of what Jesus was going to go through. Job realized this. Now, now I want us to look at the story of Job again, and I want us to consider exactly what we're looking at. I want us to consider this is Jesus talking, and you can hear little glimpses and references to the life of Jesus Christ. Job chapter 29 speaks concerning how Job's life was before all of the trouble started. And in this picture, we see what Jesus' life was like before his friends betrayed him. Job chapter 29 said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me. I wish I could go back to when things were good before all of this trouble started. And I feel like there's somebody here today who you wish you could just go back to, to, to times that were better times, to days that were better days, before you made that awful decision, before you slipped down into that dark, dark pathway. But he said, I owe that I were in months past as in the days when God preserved me when his candles shined upon my head when by his light I walked through darkness as I was in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle when the almighty was yet with me when my children were about me when I washed my steps with butter the rock poured out rivers of oil when I went out to the gate through the city when I prepared my seat in the street the young men and saw me and they hid themselves the aged arose and stood up the princes refrained, refrained talking and held, laid their hand upon their mouth the nobles held their peace the tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth when the ear heard me it blessed me when the eye saw it it gave witness to me this were the eyewitnesses of the majesty of Jesus because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless and him that had none to help him the blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy I put on righteousness it clothed me now remember if Jesus were standing here he would say this is testifying of me search these scriptures they're testifying of me Job, why did Job have to go through so much trouble? Because he was testifying of Jesus. Why did Job have to go through such calamity? Because he was testifying of Jesus. I put on righteousness. It clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. Now in this next verse, we're going to see an actual direct reference to the miracles of Jesus. Verse 15. I was eyes to the blind. And I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor. Hallelujah. And the cause which I knew not, I searched out. This is what was happening in the days when things were going good. But chapter 30 opens up. 
and says, now they that are younger than me, they have me in derision, whose fathers I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock. People who are wicked and evil, they have me in derision. He goes on to say that I am their song in verse 9. I am their byword. They abhor me. They flee far from me. They spare not to spit in my face. He describes all of the calamity that ended up coming upon him. This is not just Job talking. This is Job experiencing something that Jesus is going to experience. And it is a testimony to everyone around him. Because these scriptures testify of Jesus. It puts in perspective the words of Job when he said that there's coming a day when this body will degradate. There's coming a day when the, when the skin worms will eat up my flesh. He said, but I know my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand on the latter day. Hallelujah. You want to know why Job knew that his Redeemer liveth? Because through his trial and through his crisis of life and crisis of faith, he had to keep his eyes on the end of the journey. He had to remember where this whole thing ended up because this isn't just Job's testimony. This is the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus doesn't just involve a death and it doesn't just involve a burial but it involves a resurrection it doesn't just involve mockery and it doesn't just involve affliction and it doesn't just involve being stricken and smitten of God no less but it involves coming up from the grave coming up from the crisis victorious triumphant and I want somebody to know that your life doesn't just have to testify of you, but your life can testify of Jesus. I don't know what sickness you have right now. I don't know what the doctors have told you. I don't know how worried you are about your children. I don't know how depleted your finances have become. I don't know how far gone your marriage has become. But I will tell you, if you put it all in the hand of Jesus Christ, it's going to stand on the latter day victorious and the end shall be greater than the beginning. I'm coming to somebody today who thinks you've made your worst mistake. You think that all is lost and that the brokenness is too much to overcome. And I want you to know that doesn't have to just testify of you. It can testify of Jesus. It can testify of Jesus. It was Job who said, I go forward and he is not there. I go backward and I cannot find him. I go to the left hand where he doth work, but he hides himself from me. And I go to the right hand and he's just simply gone. And it sounds like he's been forsaken. It sounds like he's been left alone. And can I tell you that upon that cross, Jesus was forsaken of God. 
and do you know he cried out on that cross my God my God why hast thou forsaken me but that wasn't Jesus who cried that out first upon the cross these were the words of a prophet who was suffering affliction these were the words of a prophet who was going through patience it was the prophet psalmist King David who first said my God my God why hast thou forsaken me but what David had to understand is that he wasn't going through that trial of his life alone but that trial was going to testify of Jesus that trial was going to tell everybody around David I may be going through this right now oh but there's coming a day when I will rise from these ashes there's coming a day where I'm going to get up out of this grave I feel forsaken. I feel alone. I feel like I can't find God. Anybody ever been there when you couldn't feel God? Anybody ever been there when you couldn't find God? Anybody been there when everybody else could feel him, but you couldn't feel him? I want you to know that's not just testifying of you. That's testifying of Jesus. And I feel it in the Holy Ghost. There's somebody here right now going through that. And you feel like there's something amiss, something wrong. I want you to know you just keep trusting in the Lord. You just keep putting your faith in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Job said, I go forward, he's not there. I go backward, he's not there. To the left, to the right, all around. I'm looking for him, I can't find him. But he knoweth the way. Now, I want to I stop right there. They're those two words, the way, they're not there by accident. I said, they're not there by accident. Go into the life of Jesus and see where those two words are uttered again. And Jesus would tell you, I am the way and the truth and the life he knoweth the way that I take what way am I taking I'm taking the way of Jesus if you if you try to take any other way it will deposit you straight into hell I know that's not popular preaching in 2023 but it's the truth of the word of God there is a place called outer darkness and there is weeping and there is wailing and there is gnashing of teeth and it is eternal damnation and the worm dieth not and it is everlasting condemnation you better hear it and hear it well Jesus talked about it it's in red letters the flame is a tormenting flame and if you go the broad way it will lead you to destruction but Job said I'm not venturing from this path he knoweth the way that I take you know why he knows the way Job took because that was the way Jesus was taking the way to the cross, the way to the grave, the way to the resurrection of our Savior. I'm not veering from this way. I'm in the way, the glory land way. I'm in the way. I'm getting in this path and I'm never moving. 
doesn't matter what comes against me I'm in the way this is the only way I'm not going to the left I'm not going to the right you go to the left if you want to go to the left I'm not going to the left you veer off the path if you want to veer off the path my God they can't persecute me off this path they can't arrest me off this path they can't chop my head off off this path I'm on this path because I know where this way goes this way ends up in glory this way ends up in resurrection power some interesting news this morning I read that we're getting closer to a cataclysmic war with China well that's great Sunday morning news how you like waking up to that every day that China and Russia and Iran and now Saudi Arabia forces are aligning that the Bible says will align and you're living it and you're still being a hypocrite? Are you kidding me? You're still lukewarm? Are you kidding me? You're still haphazard about the things of God. You've got to be kidding. You better get in the way and stay in the way. that when you're in this way no weapon formed it my god hey brother jamie that includes nuclear weapons no weapon formed against me will prosper i'm not afraid because he knoweth the way that i take and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. The scriptures testify of Jesus. Now the Bible says that they overcame the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now let me tell you what the word is. You wanna know what the word is? You gotta go back again to the gospel according to John to find out what the word is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, the Israelites looked at that mountain and said, we cannot bear the voice of words. There were many, many words and they were intimidating. But God took all of those words and simplified them, wrapped them up into one word, into one name. And at that name, every knee shall bow. And at that name, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm gonna tell you the word of your testimony is Jesus. Jesus. That's the word of your testimony. Jesus. 
I'm going through some things. Jesus, things have gotten difficult. Jesus, things are getting more challenging every day. Jesus, the doctor gave me a bad report. Jesus, my children are suffering. Jesus, I don't know how this is going to turn. Oh, yes, you do. Because the, the word of your testimony is Jesus. what you're going through but you ought to look at whatever it is and say I'm not messing with you I've got one word for you Jesus 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 in the morning Jesus in the noontime Jesus when the sun goes down hallelujah hallelujah We're about to open these altars, but I'm gonna tell you something. He didn't just say the word of your testimony. He said the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. So before you really have access to that word of your testimony, you gotta come through the blood. What do you think you're doing when you repent of your sins? I tell you what's happening. You're identifying with the way Jesus took. Hallelujah. And where that blood was shed. Hallelujah. What do you think you're doing when we take you to these waters and we put you under and bring you back up? But we name the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you what's happening. That blood is washing away every sin you've ever committed. What do you think happens when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost? I'll tell you what happens. There are three that bear record in the earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. The Holy Ghost is agreeing with the blood. When you have repented and been baptized by water in the name of Jesus, it does matter that you're baptized and how you're baptized. That is the circumcision of the heart. And it is the new covenant circumcision. (laughs) There's stuff in our heart that has to be cut away. And God through baptism in his name cuts away all the the sin and shame and, 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 and degeneracy of your spirit. That's what happens when you repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you come through the blood of the Lamb, you have access to the word of your testimony. His name is Jesus. Jesus. We were at Urshan Live recording in Urshan College, Brother Johnson. We were there Friday night. It was so powerful and so beautiful. And I stood there, Sophia was one of the singers and and we watched and worshiped and sang. It was a beautiful, beautiful service. The last song they sang just crushed me. It laid me down on the floor. I just, I just, I could not stop worshiping God. The song said, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Jesus. What a lovely name, what a sweet name, 
wonderful, merciful miracle, Jesus. And I just, I just couldn't stop worshiping him. You want to know why? Because for me, it was something, it was something so interesting because my mind went back a hundred years ago to an old Persian immigrant who was my great grandfather who saw the beauty of that name. Stood before firing squads and they put down their weapons as that name, the word of his testimony covered him. Stood up, he, he had 40 people all on their knees in a house while the massacre, the Armenian genocide was happening outside. And he was, they were in the house, all the lights were off and they were softly humming under the blood, under the blood. And, and that maniacal, that maniacal soldier came into the house to, to kill them all. And my great grandfather stood up and said, have mercy upon these people. These are peace-loving people. And, and in his writings, he described that the murder in the man's eyes softened to mercy because the word of his testimony began to move out and touch that man. He came home to religious persecution. People who told him, if you baptize in that name, we will cut you off. He said, don't make me forsake this name. It is the sweetest name I know. So for me to stand there and watch 200 young adults with hands uplifted and tears streaming down their face and, and above them said, Urson, I know that, I know those people. And they were all singing in 2023, a hundred years later, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Jesus. I thought, I wonder what great grandpa Urson would even think of this sight. It was worth it. It was worth staying in the way. Through persecution, it was worth it. Through, through firing squads, it was worth it. Through, through people abandoning you, it was worth it. Through people calling you a heretic, it was worth it. And I've come to tell you today, it's worth it. Stay in the way. Get in the way and stay in the way. Give your life to God and never depart from the faith. If there's somebody here right now with uplifted hands could begin to magnify that name that is above every name thousands of years later you have heard of the patience of Job you've heard of the patience of Job. The ancient, ancient, ancient trouble that he went through still serves as the inspiration for us to get through whatever we got to go through. It's worth it. In the end, the Lord is pitiful and full of tender mercy. I don't know what you're going through, but I would to God, somebody would run to the front of this house and pour it all out to God. Oh, you have heard, you have heard. Somebody's going to hear of your patience. Somebody's going to hear of your patience. Somebody's going to hear of how you were faithful to God and it's going to inspire them, bless them, and encourage them. Come on, you can make it. You can make it through this. Endure to the end.
the same shall be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Jonathan, Sister Kim, I'm so glad you endured, you endured, you endured, you endured, you endured. Sleepless nights, broken nights, broken hearts, but you endured, you endured, you endured. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Somebody, that's it. Bring that to him. Bring that to him.
something. God is doing something. Come on, lift your hands unto him.
Come on, that's it. The Lord is doing something beautiful in this house. The Lord is doing something beautiful in this house. Go ahead and press into it right now. Hallelujah. Go ahead and press into it right now. <laughs> Come on, you don't have to be in a hurry. Let the Lord do what he's doing. Let the Lord do what he's doing. Just lay it all down before him. Lay it all down before him. Lay it all down before him. <laughs> Blessed be his holy name. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to his name. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Jesus. Jesus. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus. 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 You make the darkness tremble. Silence here, Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. You silence me. clap of praise for the baptism sing in Jesus name <laughs> praise God isn't God good thank you Jesus thank you Jesus hallelujah 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 praise the Hallelujah. 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 